0: Today's reading is from the Gospel of Luke 9, verses 28 to 36. 28 is called the Transfiguration. Now about eight days after those saying Jesus took him with Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is Moses. It is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Now for the verse 37 to 43, uh, which... Tells about Jesus heals a boy with a demon. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met met him. Met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks, it throws him into convulsions until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus, Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him on the ground in convulsions, but Jesus rebuked the demon, dashed uh, the un- Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Is there a football game today? <laughs> I see somebody saying no. <laughs> um, I'm a Titans fan, so there's really no football game today. There hasn't been a whole season, but um, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity um, to be together. It's a great opportunity for community to fat, to, to form and to eat good food and to be present to one another. There's some great things that God delights in when people come together for various reasons. Um, And community forming is one of the great days of Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I have a prediction of who's going to win. I know you don't care. Whichever team works as a team, most likely. Whichever team trusts each other's ability to do their task Will probably win this is going to tie into transfiguration but follow me if you will just for a minute if the offensive line does their job to protect the quarterback and give the quarterback enough time to do what his job is and if the quarterback does his task well which is either to hand off the football to one of the running backs or To toss it to one of the wide receivers or tight ends, and if they do their job well and either carry the ball and not fumble it or catch the ball and run with it, if they each do their own individual task well and trust each other to do their task, they're going to succeed. Likewise, the defensive line, if they If they are rushing the quarterback well and trusting the safeties to do their job if the ball is aired out if they trust each other to do their task they're going to do well in today's scripture there are three main characters Moses Elijah and Jesus and they are having a conversation together And they each have been tasked with a different role, a different task. But they're part of the same team. They're part of the same flow of the Spirit of God, which had been working for thousands of years. With the same goal in mind. God's desire to be in relationship with all of humanity. Moses. Begins the game, if you will, by sharing with the people of Israel the covenant, the news that they are God's chosen people. Moses brings the law to the people of Israel. That's good. It's a very good place to start. It's not a good place to end, but it's the necessary first stage in a team effort that God has set up. Then, after the law, after the people of Israel get the idea that they are the chosen people, they are special, then the next play in the history of salvation. God sends the prophets Elijah represents the prophets and the prophets teach the people of Israel about critiquing themselves because they thought they were so special that they stopped caring for others and so the prophets are always calling the people of Israel to love more people than just those that are in their circle to care for all people especially the marginalized, especially those who are on the outside of power, very often lifting up how important it is to care for children, the poor, the widowed. And so the prophets make us uncomfortable. They made the people of Israel uncomfortable because they were pointing out their own hypocrisy. They make us uncomfortable because they're pointing out our hypocrisy and where we're missing something about our expression of faith. If you put the law and the prophets together, if you can hold those things in tension, for Christians, that's knowing that we are the beloved of God by grace, the grace of our baptism, our belovedness and the self-critique that we are not all that and that we are missing our imperative call to care for those who are on the outside of society looking in, those who are marginal, those who are vulnerable. If we can hold those two things together, if you follow the Hebrew Scriptures, then you get to the wisdom literature. Then wisdom is possible. Jesus is the synthesis of what Moses was teaching What Elijah was teaching and he is sharing wisdom that can change us that can shape us you know what their conversation was about and by the way the disciples and the hearers of the scripture that Bob read today we are eavesdropping on the conversation between Jesus Moses and Elijah The conversation was about Jesus' exodus. That's the word that is used. Jesus' departure. The plan, the culmination from the law to the prophets to the Christ and what Jesus was setting his mind to do. His suffering, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. The disciples overhearing this, probably hearing him talk again. Oh, is Jesus talking about this death and resurrection again? <laughs> you may be thinking, oh, is Jeff talking about death and resurrection again? Yes, because that's the conversation that Jesus is having. This is the game plan. This is the future, not only for Jesus, but for us. We are invited to walk with Christ, not only through his death and resurrection, but through ours. And it may not be when we stop breathing, but it is something in us that needs to die if we're going to be transformed into the compassionate, loving, peace-filled people God hopes for us to be. Death and resurrection is always the way forward. But Peter, and when we're honest, we ourselves don't want to hear it. It's too threatening. And so Peter responds by saying, well, let's just, let's stay here. Let's not move forward towards this suffering, death, and resurrection stuff, Jesus. Let's just stay here on this mountain. This is very nice. Listen, we'll build a booth for you. We'll build a booth for Moses. We'll build a booth for Elijah. And we'll just stay here in this wonderful. Meanwhile, God interrupts Peter with a cloud. That overshadows the mountain and overshadows all of them and from the cloud which is causing the disciples to be quite afraid have have you ever felt like you're just in a cloud a season of your life where you don't know which way is forward a cloud that is so dark you feel stuck and unable to move A cloud that is perhaps a season of unknown where you don't know what's next for your career you don't know what's next for your marriage you don't know what's next for your relationship with someone important the disciples were in that cloud and the voice of God said to them This is my son, the beloved one, listen to him. The cloud lifted, Elijah was gone, Moses was gone, and Jesus was there to comfort and guide the disciples. He leads them back down the mountain into ministry, a ministry of healing, a ministry of compassion, A ministry that leads them into the suffering lives of other people. Which is not easy. But that's also our call as followers of Jesus. To go back down the mountain into the muck and mire and messiness of ministry. Where people are hurting. Where people are suffering. Where people are in need of God's grace and God's healing touch. That's where Jesus leads them. And us. So yesterday, we had a wonderful morning here in the church. We spent about two hours together, 30 plus of us, in the Asbury Room. And among other questions, we were asking ourselves, what's next for our church? Where is God leading us? What might that look like? To get there, we asked a few questions that created some good conversation which created us to think deeply about some things that we don't normally think about. And I'm convinced that a good question is better than good answers. And so we were engaging some of these questions that were not done yet. We will continue to ask. We will continue to glean. We will continue to journey with. One of the questions was, well, there were two questions I want to combine for the sake of this sermon. What does it mean to be the church in the year of our Lord, 2016? It's always a good question. What does it mean to be the church? It's different than it was a generation ago. It will be different even in five years because things are happening so quickly. Culture is changing so quickly. And churches that are on their game need to respond quickly. The other question was this. Who are we and what is our primary task? Who are we as a church? And what is our primary task? Here's some of the responses. It's an incomplete list, but here are some. We're called to be faithful followers of Jesus. We're called to create a community that is a place of refuge for some and rejuvenation for some. By the way, these answers came from all of your small groups. None of these are mine. I just recorded them. Some of you said our church needs to be a place not defined by ritual, but open to new ideas, one that honors the past, but is not bound by the past. Willing to let go of certain traditions and rituals when appropriate a community that serves God and each other, a community of inclusiveness, engaging and integrating a range of differences. We're called to be true to Jesus, spreading the love of Jesus. We're called to live our faith in real and practical ways, We're called to model certain Christian behavior and values such as service, forgiveness, authentic community. We're called to be authentic. We're called to be inclusive. Those two words came up a lot. Authenticity and inclusivity. These are all good. Today... On this Transfiguration Sunday where we end the season of Epiphany and we begin a season of intentional prayer in Lent. Intentional spiritual disciplines that include worshiping regularly, praying regularly, being in intentional Christian formation opportunities, all of which our church is offering. I want to lift up perhaps the voice of the cloud as something that may guide us in what our purpose is, what our primary task is. The voice of God said to the disciples and to us, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen. To him.
0: Amen.